0: Let's let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. I pray, Father, that you would touch these needs tonight, God. I pray for healing for those that need it. I pray, God, a, a divine touch for those that need it. Strength, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would just be in this lesson. I pray that you'd open our hearts, minds, and understanding to your word. God, we just need you tonight, Lord. We pray that you would just touch and deliver. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. And I thank you, God, for hearing our prayers. I thank you, God, for for all that you are doing even right now, Lord, the healing touch that you are doing. In Jesus' name, I pray. And I give you all the praise, glory, and honor. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brother Andrew, if you come hand these out. Silly me, I made enough for hyphen and everybody, but (laughs) that's all right. We'll just, you may be seated. try and start a series. I know it seems like whenever I try to start a series it's very hodgepodge and it's kind of broken up but I'm, I'm going to try and get through this as much tonight and, and then uh, next time there's several several that goes along with this uh, but I want to talk about commitment tonight. Uh, commitment in, in the church is very very crucial. A commitment is, is crucial in any relationship. As you know, if, if one or the other is not committed, uh, there is a problem. There will be a problem. A relationship is not one-sided, but it comes, it comes from the commitment of two, two people. And when two people commit to each other, then they will go through life together. They will go through hard times and, 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 and uh, good times and bad times. But it's hard to go through the, the hard times when the tough times if there's only one person that is committed in the relationship. It, it just does not work. And the same with our walk with God. Uh, I've seen many people that, that are not fully committed to the relationship with God. And it's those people that suffer. It's those people that, that have a very wishy-washy walk with God. It's those people that um, uh, seem to struggle. Because a relationship takes two. And let me say this, whatever you commit to God, God will commit 150% above what you commit. He's that type of God. So if you commit to him, he is going to be fully committed to you. So we're going to be discussing on the the next uh, few weeks, few couple months on uh, number one, developing commitment. How do I develop this commitment with God? How am I committed? Am I committed? Because there's several areas in our relationship with God that we need commitment on. If we don't have a prayer time, if we're not committed to prayer, our walk with God is going to struggle. If we don't have, uh, if we're not committed to fasting, if we're not committed to reading His Word, if we're not, if we're not committed to all all these things that that help our development as as a Christian, if we don't, if we're not committed to that, then we are going to struggle. Now, I've I've noticed uh, in my walk with God that all of these things that it takes to increase our walk and increase our relationship. Number one, it takes discipline. Are you disciplined in your life? Well, <laughs> let's be honest. When it comes to eating right, I'm not that disciplined yet. As you can tell by my, my overwhelming frame here. I did see something on Facebook that somebody posted that in, in Africa... Uh, it's the men with the largest bellies that are deemed the most attractive. So, I'm attractive in another country. But you see, it, it takes discipline. I'm trying to discipline myself, and I have for, for some time, of not eating anything after 8 o'clock, but because of my schedule and because of the, 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 the fast-paced life that I have, I don't always... Uh, I can't always do that, but I'm trying to discipline myself that after eight o'clock I will not eat anything, and that that takes discipline because how many people get the, the late night munchies? Mm-hmm. I'm the same way. Come home from church and you sit down, and you know an hour or so later it's like, hey, I hear in the little rumblies and the tumblies. Let's uh, you know a few Doritos or let's make a Taco Bell run or we'll do something. But you see, when you discipline yourself, uh, no, I know I'm hungry. It's after 8 o'clock. I'm not going to do it. But it takes discipline. It takes discipline to get on a regime of exercise. Uh, I come, uh, uh, I'm trying. I injured my foot and my knee a while back, so I'm waiting for that to heal before I can get back on that treadmill. And and bless Sister, sister Anne, She told me last night she... She has a long day today, so she was going to get up and, and, and at four in the four a.m. Does anybody know at four a.m.? Sorry, I know brother. And there's a couple people that do four a.m. She was getting up and she was driving to Edwardsville to do her workout. And her workout is she she does her her, her treadmill, she does her cardio, and then they have a tanning salon, and then they have a uh, uh, a hydro massage table that she does all, I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. You work out, you get a massage, you get a tan. That's a nice little workout. But not at five in the morning. (laughs) So she got up this morning, she went and did her exercise, she went and did all this, came home, showered, done her hair, blah, 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 and went to work after that. That takes discipline. That takes discipline. My thing is I'll come home after work, and you know what? I'm going to go to the I'm going to go to the rec center tonight, and I'm going to get at it. Yeah, well, work went a little late. I had a little rough day. It's been a it's been a busy day, and I get home, and well, I'm kind of hungry, so maybe I want to eat, and I eat, and after that, it's over, done. I don't feel like going to work out. You know. But it takes this one, and I and I give high regards to. The brother wilson of of his exercise regime he's very disciplined and gets up and does that but everything in our life takes discipline because if we don't put any discipline in our lives uh really we're just we're very wishy-washy and everything so how do we develop commitment how do we develop these areas in our life uh to make ourselves better can you develop commitment can we develop commitment I say, yes, we can develop commitment. Uh, and oftentimes we hear this at the beginning. You know, we just passed the new year, and, and I, I hear this of people saying, you know, the, the new year's resolution. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do that. I hear things like I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a stronger Christian. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conquer all of my mountains or all of my demons. And, and those things are not, there's nothing wrong. It's just the wrong order. The wrong order. Because we have to keep in our, in, in, in our minds, Matthew 6, 33 that says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things are going to be added unto you. So the first thing we have to keep in mind in, in, in developing commitment is our commitment with God. Number one is it first. Remember, we serve a jealous God. He doesn't want to be number two. Number three. Whatever he is in that that list of our priorities, he wants to be number one. And he said, seek ye first, go after it, seek ye. Now, that takes discipline to do that first, to go after him first. But he said, once you get this first very principle in your life, all of these other things will work out. All of these other things will be added unto you. So we have to understand that the kingdom of God is made up of some very basic, simple building blocks, but they're powerful, and, and, and they are all the right things. People think we're crazy because we come to church on a Wednesday night. People think we're crazy because we give of our first fruits in tithes and offering. People think we're crazy because we may come on a, a prayer night, or we're doing a fast. People look at that and say, you're, just, you're nuts, you're crazy but they don't understand our commitment. This is what I do because I'm committed to this relationship. I'm committed into making this better. I don't think that after you put the ring on the finger that that uh, relationship 101 is over. Really, when you put the ring on the finger, that's the easy part. The first few months, the first couple of years, that's the easy part. It's when you reach year five, year ten. And things aren't going the way that you had planned or, or, or the way that you had hoped, and now things are a little more tough and things aren't quite right. It's when you go through the valleys, you really find out where the commitment lies. But I think you start from day one, from the time that the ring gets put on the finger, you start working on the relationship. And you commit every single day when I put the ring on that dear sweet girl I just won't be married maybe Tuesday through Thursday and the rest of the time we'll see or that's all my time no it's an everyday day in and day out commitment for better or for worse for richer devilly poor we're in this together But when we understand, when we commit to God, when we understand that there are some things that we should discipline in our lives to make this relationship with him much more better. So it's really the, the basic things that get you somewhere. Who was that football coach that brought the football in and said, fellas, you would think they would know, the are professional they've been doing this most of their lives, but he brought a football into the locker room and said, fellas, this is a football. We're just getting back to basics and understand what it takes to win a game. Here you go. The New, the New England Patriots, who, who used to be a winning team years ago, <laughs> ah, back in the day, those were the good, good old days. Now nah, we figured we'd let some other teams have the, have, the, have the fun. They had a saying in their organization, and it was simply this, do your job. You see, the quarterback can't be the kicker. Quarterback can't run the, the offensive line. He can't, he can't be the defensive back, but he's the quarterback. If the offensive linemen are doing their job protecting the quarterback, then the quarterback can do his job. And if the receivers are doing their job of getting open, then the quarterback can do his job of getting to the receiver so that they can can do their job and hopefully run that thing in. And same for every other position. If you do your job, it makes everything so much better. If a church commits themselves, and we do our job of prayer, of fasting, of studying the Word, of reading the Word, and coming to church... Revival happens. That's what happens to a church that is committed, is revival. It's the natural thing. We, that's what God blesses. That what, that's what happens when we commit ourselves. So let's understand, number one, the, there is a tie between our love and commitment. When you love somebody, there should be some commitment, correct? Should be. There better be that I I love her, so I'm committed to her. She's going to love me, so she's going to be committed to me. That's the way a relationship works and builds. And that's how our relationship works with God. 1 John 5 and 3, For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. So if we love Him, we will keep His commandments. First John 2 and 3, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. So love is not love, and relationships are not relationships without commitment. I'm going somewhere. Hold on. We're, 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 we're going to get there. As everybody knows, the Bible clearly describes uh, <clears throat> our walk with God more in terms of a marathon than a sprint. I was in track many, many years ago, and about a, almost 100 pounds ago. It's hard to believe I was 120 pounds when I got married. I was just a little, tiny guy. I was a sprinter. I was a sprinter. Pew, I could go. But the track, the coach decided one time he was going to put me on this long-distance run. I thought, this is a piece of cake. So the, the gun went off, and boom, I was gone. I left everybody in the dust. I thought, this is going to be a piece of cake. I'm getting a medal. I'm, going to, I'm, going to be, I, I'm breaking the land speed record right here, guys. And I got halfway done, and my side started hurting, and those guys started getting closer, and I tried to keep up with them, and they started passing me, and I tried as, as hard as I could to keep up with them, and I had to pull off the side of the road to, to empty everything that I had for lunch. And that was the end of the long, uh, the long run for me. Just give me that 100-yard dash, boom, boom, done. But it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. We keep going. We're not all going at the same pace. But we're all going. It's, it, 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 it's, it's called a marathon. But we understand we just cannot do what we want whenever we want. But we have to train ourselves to develop good spiritual disciplines if we have this attitude of i can do what i want when i want where i want we're not going to grow because that develops into i can read my word whenever i want to once a month is fine i can go to church whenever i feel like it i can i'll pray when I get around to it, 9.30 on Sunday. That, that'll be fine. But it's those people that have that mentality that struggle. First Corinthians 9, 26 and 27. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep my body and bring it under subjection. Here's where the worst enemy is right here. It's me. It's me this is, this is who I have to overcome. this is who what what hinders me from committing is my own self and and what 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 cracks me up is these people that think're they're going to be before the judgment seat and blame everything of their troubles and their walk with God and all the problems they had on their pastor. he didn't do this. he didn't come visit me. he, he didn't give me this or he didn't do that or that, that, that person that you, that, 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 that spouse that you sent to me were such a hindrance to me and this, that, and the other. I tell you what, I want to be on the sidelines and just listen to God. Do you want, God, you want me to step in or are you going to get, you'll get it okay? There ain't going to be no excuses when we're standing before the throne. What did you do? So I have to understand in order for me to to commit, it has to come from right here. It has to come from me. Hebrews 12 and one, we all know this one. Wherefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight. That's something I have to do. That's something the pastor can't do for me. I can't call my pastor and and, and tell him, you need to help me lay aside these weights. But that scripture is talking to us personally, let us Lay aside every weight and the sin, which though easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is within us. So it's getting it down to very personal. To what do you have to do? What do you have to lay down? I know what a lot of people need to lay down. Boy, if 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 America would only read the word as much as we're on the phone if we only spend as much time in prayer as we do scanning Facebook. So the goal of what we're, we're going to start on the next several weeks, several months, as, as much as I can get through it, is to look at various spiritual disciplines and what they are and how we could commit to them in our life and hopefully engage in them. So there will be spiritual maturity. Where are we spiritually you know, maturity take. you know, we just cannot. Let me reverse. My kids are now nearing this age where they are on their own. They're, they're on their own. But let's reverse gears. Let's reverse gears. When they're 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, I feel like I'm on Sesame Street, If I did not do my job as a dad and if my wife did not do her job as a mom of instilling them and help them mature mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, where would they be right now? Because if we just let them go on their own and just hope that they just become model citizens on their own, it doesn't happen. It's our job as parents to instill in them, no, that's wrong behavior, this is correct behavior. This is not how we act in public, this is how we act in public. This is not what we do in church. This is... And, and we help them mature. Yeah, they, they do, they start maturing because they get older and they're around people their age that they kind of sense. But, but if we as parents don't, don't show them, where do they get mentally, maturity-wise? I've seen 18, 20, 25-year-olds who act like 12-year-olds. All right, I've seen 50-year-olds who act like 12-year-olds. But let's take that another way. We could get somebody like Miss Bailey who comes to Sunday school with us. I don't know if you ever, if you ever talked to Miss Bailey. If you haven't talked to her, I encourage you just sit down and, and have a conversation with her. She came over to our house the other day we just hung out, just hung out. And this girl is so mature for an 11-year-old. She, she, she talks and acts like I'm, I'm speaking to a 17-year-old, just in the way she presents herself, not a very immature person. But, but you understand how people, they say people mature differently. I'm sure I was very immature. They say guys mature a little bit slower than girls it's true it's weird what a 13 year old guy thinks and acts and, and does as opposed to a 13 year old girl we're very different but we should not be 20, 30 year old apostolics and still have the, um, the, the maturity of, a, of an infant there should be spiritual maturity that happens so we'll understand spiritual maturity. We should understand along with spiritual maturity comes fruits of the Spirit. That's evidence. When you have the Holy Ghost and you are in a committed relationship, there should be some evidence of things that naturally occur in your life that should be showing in your everyday life, fruits of the Spirit. We'll have to understand what discipleship is. and Then we'll understand what are the commitments, the seven basic commitments of being a disciple. So our focus is good, just going to be on basic practices. We'll focus on the basic practice that every Christian needs to develop in order to grow spiritually mature. Because there's practices that we do. They say once you start doing something and repeating it, it eventually it just becomes part of you. Okay, Getting up at 4 in the morning, not my thing. Not anymore. I did that when I was a young man. That was normal. Get up at 4, be at work at 5, work 5 to 5. That was normal. Not anymore. You don't become a fat, out-of-shape salesman by getting up at 4 and going to work out. This is, a full, this is what I call being a full gospel preacher. In case you didn't know. I'm a full gospel preacher. But if I would start and practice getting up at 4, and, and before long, you, you just get used to it. Listen, I'm, I know you get up early. You, it's probably nothing to you now. You just do it. You do it. So we're going we're to focus on the basic practices. So along with this learning uh, of these practices, hopefully we can equip the church with the skills that will need to begin these basic practices. What, what are the skills needed to, to commit? What are the skills needed to, to mature? And along with this, we'll explain the tools uh, that you'll need to continue these practices. And then we'll help you to com- commit to these practices. And I hope these, this is not too uh, elementary, but this is something that we can all look at ourselves and evaluate, where are we? What am I doing in my relationship? What am I missing? And what could I do better? I say this, we can all do better in various areas of our lives. I've not attained everything that I need to obtain. There's things I can do better and there's things I need to do better. Romans 6 and 19 says this for as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness so there was a time before we I call it BC before Christ where we lived an unholy life and we practiced that we did it we there, there were some that, that partied hard there were some that, that they just did whatever made them feel good but now that we are apostolics and Holy Ghost filled, we yield ourselves unto righteousness, which becomes holiness. Remember, holiness starts right here. Okay? I just don't put a nice sport jacket on and say I'm holy. It doesn't matter what I put on. It starts here. And it manifests itself out here in, in my character and in my speech and, and, and things that I do. So if sin develops in my life through simple repetition of, of bad habits, then we have to understand righteousness... will develop in my life through the repetition of good habits. So if sin develops in my life through, through bad habits... then I have to understand that righteousness will develop in my life... through the repetition of good habits... So let's talk about spiritual maturity. Where are you in your walk with God? Ephesians 4 and 13, in the unity of common faith and a knowledge of the Son of God, we arrive at real maturity, the measure of development which is meant by the fullness of Christ. It comes by every day, every day walk with him, every day of of committing to him. Spiritual maturity is simply this, it's becoming like Christ which is what the basic word Christian is, Christ-like. So the more we become like Christ, the more we we aim to be like him and and look like him and talk like him and act like him. That's where spiritual maturity starts. Romans 8 and 29, for from the very beginning God decided that those who came to him should become like his son. I want people, when they see and hear me, see a reflection of God. What do they see in me? What do they see in you when the pressure's on? What do they see in you when the anger is starting to rise? Do they see the reflection of Christ, or do they see the real you? See, it's okay to get angry. In fact, Scripture says to be angry, sin not. So being like Christ is possible when we have that spirit of Christ, the the Holy Spirit that controls our life. And that's where we start to understand maturity, when we let Christ control us. Lord, help me to overcome this thing right here. Lord, have mercy. Am I the only one, or can everybody agree that there are times when, when this thing just seems to get you in really bad trouble? We used to do this thing in super church where we'd give a kid a little little tube of toothpaste and had them push it all out, which was fun. They love it. Like, all right, now put it back in the tube. What? And they're trying to get You can't. Once it's out, it's out. And the same thing with our words. There's a lot of things I wish I would not have said. I wish there were some things that I could get back, but it's not possible. The Lord, help me control this. So I've seen this in people's lives, how they live and their approach to spiritual maturity. They do it to the negative or very defensive. Or what I say, trying not to do wrong. I'm going to try not to do wrong. And Those that are positive or the, uh, they're on the offense, they're, they're doing right. Or what we say, they're bearing fruit. If so you understand, if if, if, if I'm just going to try to do, keep from doing wrong, it's a very negative way of approaching our walk. But when I'm led of the Spirit and I try to do what's right, then fruit starts bearing. Then I don't have to try to love. Love should just come. I'm not going to try to have peace. Peace just naturally comes. Paul states that he was separated to the gospel and not from the world. So we have to understand that holiness is a daily thing. People look at us like we're crazy, and that's okay, because we are separated. We should be a separated church. We're separating ourselves from the world and separating ourselves unto Christ. So when we look at, at, at the life of Jesus and, and just the, his character, and we understand, and that should be our measuring stick. Okay, there's, there's some things that I measure in, in, in my life. You see, if I'm measuring how, how I am as a salesman, I don't look at the worst salesman in the world and say, how am I doing? I'm going to look at the good salesman. What are they doing that's right? Okay, I, I watch them. How do they approach? How do they, how do they go on a cold call? What, what, what are they doing that I can learn by? I don't want to learn how to sell from a horrible salesman. True? So if you're in a position where you are at work, you don't want to learn from the person that is the worst person in your job. Show me the successful one. Show me the one that is, is getting results. That's, how are you doing it? How, let me observe you and, and then learn from that. So we have measuring sticks. How am I doing as a father? My dad was my measuring stick. I've seen everything he did to raise a family. Even when his wife was 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 not around and, and and just totally sick, so he was he was going to work and trying to get kids off the school and and going to the, the store and doing all this. And and I see the dedication that he had in his wife. And that's my measuring stick of how am I doing. Because even after his wife passed, my mom, I thought this is finally dad will be free to go travel. He always wanted to just kind of travel and see things. Maybe he can go some places he wanted to go to, and we could see some some air shows, and go watch trains, or do something. He he, he can go enjoy himself now. Do you know where he was? Right off the bat. Monday through, through Sunday, from nine in the morning till noon. He grabbed his chair, put it in the car, and went to the graveside, and sat there next to his wife cleaned the grave off, had a talk with his wife. Dad, what'd you do today? Well, I wouldn't talk to your mother today. <laughs> That's dedication. That's a man in love. That's how I want to be. So we, we, we do these, these measuring, and, and so we measure our life to Jesus. What, what did he do? How can, I, how can I be more like him and purpose to be more like him? So in order that I have to know him, I have to love him, I have to remember him and imitate him. Imitate how he loves. You know what God's heartbeat is now? It's souls. It's the church. It's his kingdom. That's his heartbeat. And if if souls in the harvest aren't our heartbeat, we're missing his heartbeat. But the more we purpose ourselves to his kingdom and the more we purpose ourselves to be like him, we will understand and start to feel how he feels so we all understand we've all been filled with the Holy Ghost in this room I'm sure so while speaking in tongues is the initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Ghost the fruit of the spirit is the continued evidence that it is there and it is abiding and it is working I want his spirit to be working in my life I want the evidence to show so Christian living number one should not be a struggle it should just be a free flow of the spirit that produces fruit. Remember, it's rivers of living water. It's moving. So it should be. Now, I know what you're saying. So pastor, why are there struggles then? I'll tell you why there's struggles. Number one, there's temptation. Every day we face some kind of temptation. There are those that don't yield to, to uh, the Lord's authority or his lordship. I'll do it my way, how I want to do it. Brother, Brother Wilson, I, I, I want to commend you all that what you have been teaching these past, this past month, Cain and Abel. Because he hit it right on the money. If you want a spirit that does not please God, you have that same spirit. I'll just do whatever I want. But we got to yield ourselves to his will, and yield ourselves to to him. As he said in Galatians 5, 16, this I say, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Let me tell you, church, there's a lot of mess out there. There's a lot of mess that we have to see. There's a lot of mess that we have to hear. And there's a lot of messed up people that we have to work with. That sometimes if we get around a lot of that negativity, there's something going on here. When we get around that negativity, sometimes we, it can rub off on us. And I don't want to be negative. I've seen a lot of negative people, and I've dealt with a lot of, uh, a lot of negative people. And I've had negative people in, in, in my family, and I don't want to be that way. They're not pleasant to be around. So how do we how do we surround ourselves with, with his spirit and, and avoid that? It says walk in the spirit. You, you should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these two are contrary. There is a battle that goes on in my soul every single day. Let me tell you, this, this flesh does not want to get up and go to church. This flesh does not want to get up and pray. This flesh does not want to fast at all. And there's a fight. But who am I going to yield to? And who am I going to resist? Verse number 18, if you're led of the Spirit, you're, you're not under the law. So we have to understand there's two conflicting forces that we are faced under every single day. So the Holy Spirit and the flesh are battling. And this these desires that, that, that stem in our bodies. These, but we have to understand that the Holy Ghost... The flesh, these forces are not equal. I know a lot of people say, what's the equal of God? Well, the devil. No. God has no equal. There is no equal. The Holy Spirit is infinitely stronger than the flesh if we allow it to be. So if we try to live for God purely through our own human effort, we will fail. If you're going to do it on your own, I can do this on my own. You will fail. But it says if we walk in the spirit, it has to be, our, our, our lives have to be spirit led. We have to be full of the Holy Ghost. Every single day. It's our only way to freedom from, from this evil nature is through the empowering of the Holy Ghost. It is to walk in the spirit. Romans 8 9, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Remember, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. So let's understand, let's get something out there for us to understand. That the works of the flesh... That Paul talked about, and there's the fruit of the Spirit. So we understand the obvious sins that Paul talks about, the obvious works of the flesh, which are sexual immorality and sorcery, and you got the less obvious sins, which are hatred, selfish ambition, and envy. Let me give you the, the new living testament it makes it makes it a little bit easier to understand what paul's talking about in in galatians 5 19 and 21 so when you follow the desires of your sinful nature your lives will, will produce these evil results sexual immorality impure thoughts eagerness for lustful pleasure idolatry participation in demonic activities hostility quarreling jealousy outbursts of anger selfish ambition, divisions, the feeling that everyone is wrong except those in your own little group, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other kinds of sin. Let me tell you again, as I have said before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the works of the flesh. That's what happens or what comes about when we don't live in the Spirit, when we don't let Him lead us. But he says in Galatians 5 and 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, this is what happens when we're following after him and we're letting the Spirit uh, work in us. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So when the Holy Ghost controls us, when we're, we're in that committed relationship, these are the natural things that should be coming out of our lives. Let me say this, the church, there should not be infighting in the church. There should not be divisions in church. I remember hearing a testimony of, of uh, the gospel singer Russ Taft, one of my favorites from way back. He grew up in a, a Pentecostal church in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. And just hearing him tell the story, you know, kind of an intimate moment in... Uh, in in a in a concert was was mind blowing. But he said he grew up in a small Pentecostal church where he said this half of the church did not like the ones that sat on this side of the church. He said they would worship and they would cry and hoop and holler. But when the the final amens were said, they wouldn't even talk to each other. They wouldn't greet one another, and they'd go out the door the same way, not liking those people. It was like the Hatfields and McCoys. But he said the sad thing was I thought that's how all churches operate. He said I thought that was just church culture. He said it wasn't until I got out of that toxic environment and went to another church where I saw that, well, this is how church ought to be. Everybody loving one another. Everybody forgiving one another. I know this. I'm not perfect by any means. I'm far from it. I need forgiveness on a daily basis. But the Lord even told us how to pray that forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So we have to understand that if we want forgiveness, we better be giving forgiveness. But that's a natural that comes from the fruit of the spirit of just having this this gentleness, this this meekness, this, this this forgiving spirit about you. It just comes when we are in that relationship. But the fruit of the Spirit is this. It's results grown by the Spirit of Christ. It's it's unrestricted work of the Holy Ghost in us. It should be. It just happens. Nine characteristics of God's grace that he expects in every Christian. You know what my boss expects of me? He expects me to be out there selling every day. That's what he's paying me for. That's why he gives me a truck. (laughs) He gives me a company credit card an expense report to go out there in this lovely state of Illinois and sell product. That's what he expects of me. The results come at the end of the month when they look at the reports and see what the sales numbers are. No, not every month is a, a, a great month. But every month is not a, a tanker because I'm just sitting at home enjoying life on Mr. Brower's bill. He expects me to be out there selling. There are some things that, that God expects of us as apostolics and Christians. And these characteristics are what naturally comes when we are committed to him are what we call byproducts of Christ's control because we can't do that without him I can't get all this love, joy and peace on my own without the Holy Ghost without that working in my life because a person who exhibits the fruit of the spirit fulfills a law far better than a person who's merely doing a ritual or trying to do it on their own it just doesn't happen But these are results of the Holy Ghost in us. And that which only change in motives and attitudes. That brings about new direction. Always comes when we are committed to him. Now let's understand something, church. We belong to him. I want you to understand that. You belong to him. I say this, that, that 2010 Traverse that is sitting out there is paid for and is mine. You know why? Because I paid for it. I have the title in my safe at home that proves that I paid for it. So the bank can't take it. Nobody else can claim it's theirs. I got the title. It has my name on it. But we were bought with a price. We are his. This church that he loves, that he calls the bridegroom, he paid for with his very life and his precious blood. Galatians 5.24 says, They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections of the lusts. And if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So if if we are his and we are we are truly committed to him, then then we have crucified all of this flesh on that cross. It's a day-to-day process. Am I perfect? Not by any means. But every day I better be putting this flesh under subjection. Every day I need to understand that He loves me and He paid the price for me. To me, that makes life worth living knowing that somebody loved me enough to pay the price for me. You ever do the pay it forward? You ever get caught in one of those? Hey, that, that car behind you, pay, or in front of you, they already paid for your meal and your, your meal is already paid for. Now, I can do two things. You can do two things. You can take that dinner and hightail it out of there or you can continue that and pay for somebody behind you. Don't you know the Lord paid the price for us two thousand years ago with His life? And what He wants out of us is to be that light to somebody, to give the joy that we have, to give that love that comes from the Holy Ghost, and show that and give that to somebody. You know what's more fulfilling than anything? Is to be able to stop and talk to somebody who's obviously going through a problem or an issue and just sit there and listen to them and let them know that you're praying for them. There are some people that are totally shocked, number one, that you just stop to pay attention to them, but that you're concerned enough that, hey, I'll be praying for you. What's your name? That's showing God's love. That's showing his passion and his concern. And that comes when we are connected with him. I asked Ange a couple, couple two or three weeks ago, are you ready for all the craziness? Like this? <laughs> she said, bring it on. <laughs> bring it on. But you know, the more that we are around each other, the more we, we learn of each other, the more we fall in love with one another. But every day, I wake up in the morning, and and as Brother Joe said on Sunday, I thank the Lord for his blessings, for giving his life for me, that I can enjoy one more day. One more day. Church, every day we're getting a little bit closer to that trumpet sounding. Every day we're getting closer to when he's going to come take his bride away. And I say this, I do not want to miss that. There is nothing in this world that is worth losing my soul over. There is not a car big enough that I would want to lose my soul over. I don't care how, I don't care how flashy of a Corvette it is. It ain't worth losing my soul over. There's not a relationship. There's not a a, a thing in this world. There's not a, a, anything that I would want to lose out my soul going to heaven over. But, Lord, every day, let me be more committed to you. I got a lot more. You want to stay till about 8 or 9, 10, 11? No? Okay. <laughs> commitment. We're finding less and less and less commitment in our world nowadays. As a manager, I I hear of of things that's going on in headquarters, of people just are not committed to work anymore. Never in my life would I have seen where the workplace is run by the employees and dictated by the employees instead of by the managers or the bosses bosses that are too scared to come down or discipline their employees because they're afraid the employees will either uh, rebel or even leave. And then now they're going to be worse off because they don't have somebody that's doing part of the work. And that's the society we live in. There's no commitment in relationships. There's no commitment in in work. And, And it's just a very weird, weird world that we live in. But thank God for the church. Thank God there's a group of people at true Tabernacle that will commit to coming to church and and worshiping him and and, and praying and and, and finding out what what his heartbeat is. There's no place I would rather be than right here. Right here with with the family of God. I want the church to know I I love you folks very much and I appreciate the prayers that, that I have felt. Uh, well, ever since we came up here, starting 10 years ago, I, I, I feel the prayers of the church, and I think that's what has sustained me, and, and that's what keeps me going. But let's understand that we have to number one, we have to be committed to him. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for, for the love that you have shown me as an individual, the love that you have shown this church. God, as we go through our lives, let us examine ourselves and see, are we really committed to you? Lord, help us to understand there are some disciplines that we have to learn to put in place. There are things that we have to set in stone that will not be moved. God, I will commit myself to you. I will commit myself to prayer, to reading your word, to fasting. I will commit myself, God, to to your church. Lord, I pray that you would just help us as we move forward to be that light to somebody. Lord, that you would place somebody in our path that we, can, that we can be of help to, that we can pray for, that we can witness to, that we can just give a word of encouragement to. Lord, as we become more like you, we want to be more like you. Help us, God. Help your church because God's souls are at stake. Souls are your heartbeat. The harvest is your heartbeat. Lord, may your heartbeat be our heartbeat also. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for Thank you for coming tonight. Uh, the offer plate is up here. Remember.